Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. So Notre Dame's biggest goal of the year has been achieved, making the college football playoff. Yet, it doesn't feel like it should, and for a justifiable reason. Of all possible outcomes of the Clemson rematch, the one it absolutely couldn't be is the exact one we got. The hardest part about processing this outcome is it's the exact same movie, just a different year. It never changes. Public humiliating blowouts when it matters most with the most on the line. We thought we were past this and we are not. That's by far the hardest part of this discussion to me. It just never ends. It's the same sad movie over and over and over again in these kinds of games year after year after year. Notre Dame is now in a very interesting spot. Normally after games like this, this season's over. It isn't this time. That could be a good thing or it could make Notre Dame perceptually look way worse with Alabama heading our way. One thing I know for sure, we're going to learn a lot about this team and program based on how the next game goes. So we have a lot to cover tonight. The Clemson game, the playoff outlook, perceptual shifts on multiple fronts, some very nuanced, high-level existential exploration of where the program is or is not. It's time for an always Irish group therapy session, folks. Let's get into it. Let's go. Oh, no! We suck again! Welcome in. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining me for a Oh No, We Suck Again edition of the Always Irish Show. As always, you can find me on YouTube by typing Always Irish. Do subscribe. I do appreciate it. Give it a thumbs up if you like the video. That all helps me in the search engine, and I do appreciate it. Twitter, type in Always Irish or at JKZND4. Email alwaysirishnd at gmail.com. Audio only, anywhere you could get it. Like, sub, share, review, whatever you want to do or don't want to do, I'm fine with. I am uh, just, whew, I'm struggling with this one. And and I promise you, I'm going to try and keep it all together so we could get through this in one piece and talk some things out. But if you've been with me for a while, I can't promise it. So I don't know how it's going to go, but I have an outline And we're just going to hope for the best. So let's get into this, shall we? Oh, where to start? Where to start? Let's let's start here. And I'm going to jump around a little bit in this episode. This is so unique, and there's so many things involved with this situation. It's short-term, you know, game analysis, playoff picture, future stuff, big picture program stuff. All of it's kind of in flux and up for discussion. So I'm going to jump around here between those topics because there's a lot of a lot of ground to cover with a lot of nuance. So let's start here. Total and complete credit to Clemson, their players, and most importantly, their staff. They had a plan. They executed it to perfection on both sides of the ball all night, okay? One thing we talked about was adjusting off of the adjustments made from matchup number one between Notre Dame and Clemson. That was something I highlighted as a ultra-important, big, huge deal. Who's going to adjust best off that first game's film? Well, what did we learn? The Clemson staff 100% owns all of Notre Dame staff, 100%. They own Brian Kelly, they definitely own Tommy Reese, and they definitely own Vanderbilt's coach, all of them. F minus fail across the board, all of Notre Dame's coaches fail, 100% F minus Oh, no, you know what? I'll give Notre Dame credit. They did adjust. They adjusted to be worse in every single phase of the game. So if you want to count that as an adjustment, we made one. We got worse. There's your adjustment. So 
exactly what we talked about that was going to be a big deciding factor in dealing this game. Who's going to adjust and who's going to adjust off the adjustments? 100% Clemson. Total fail for Notre Dame. Everybody involved. Top to bottom. Epic total failure. You want to know what it looks like to have a big boy title winning program? Take lessons from Clemson. Take lessons on how to take a game film and then the games that come after it adjust and put something into play later that's going to work. They did it 100%. We did it 0%. They totally own our entire coaching staff, top to bottom. There is not one thing we did that was better than what they did adjusting to the first game. Not one. You got totally owned by the entire staff. So good for them. They had a plan. They wanted to execute it. They did it. Okay? Credit to them failed us across the board. Okay? Here's the next thing. And this is the toughest part of this whole discussion. I thought we were past this. We have to be past this kind of big game performance. Like, that's the whole journey we've been on this year and the last few years, only losing a handful of games, but they're the biggest ones. Can we change that this year? Showing some growth, I always talk about. It's important to me that we show growth from very, very good into the bottom of elite, okay? We could have lost this game to Clemson. And I still could have felt good and that we were building towards that. If this game was a seven-point game, even a 10-point game, and we played decent, this discussion would be totally different. But to totally no-show and have it look, this could have been a replay of the 2018 Notre Dame-Clemson game. What was that different? Just, it, it's that's what hurts the most. I feel like... The years go by and the results the same when we get in these environments. And that drives me absolutely crazy. You're looking for in- incremental progress up the hill. I was watching this game and it's the same game we've seen 10 times in, in these environments. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. And you know, I take crap all the time for not believing enough and being bought in enough that Notre Dame can win big and how could you run this Notre Dame YouTube channel and and you don't even believe they're going to win half the games. Like, I get that stuff all the time. This year, I actually did kind of buy in because I had some actual evidence, I thought, against a good team when we beat Clemson the first time. I thought that was enough evidence to give me confidence to buy in a little and believe a little more than I do in other years, even 2018, even 2012. You knew there were blatant limitations, limit, <clears throat> excuse me, limitations on both those teams. This time with that Clemson first game win, I did allow myself to think for a minute, maybe this is different. And look, look where we are. We're in the exact same spot, and it's driving me crazy because we never get past it. The years just go by, but you could pop in and play the same movie every one of these games. It's enough to drive me absolutely batshit insane, okay? Now, here's the next thing. Brian Kelly's not going anywhere. I I see every time something bad happens with Notre Dame, people are saying, fire Kelly, blah, blah, blah. He just got an extension. He's lost a handful of games in the last few years. No matter what you think, Brian Kelly's not going anywhere. It just, it makes no sense. So stop saying it and tweeting it, no matter what. It makes no sense. The administration, everybody loves what, what Kelly's doing. He's not going anywhere. So just stop tweeting that. It makes no sense. That is not a practical solution to get us where we need to go because it's not even realistic. So throw that out. But I just want to mention, this is every single Brian Kelly year has at least one blowout in it. 
and I'm not exaggerating, every single Brian Kelly year has one of these games at least. 2010, Stanford, 11, USC, 12, Bama, 13, Oklahoma, 14, Arizona State, 15, Ohio State, 16, USC, 17, the disaster at Miami, 18, the disaster with Clemson, 19, the disaster in Ann Arbor, 20, Clemson, and oh, by the way, you might have one more beating coming your way too. Every single year has at least one of these, and I don't understand why. I don't understand why. Every single year, there has to be one. I just don't get it. I just don't understand it. But every single year, you got to have one. And this year, you might be looking at two. Okay. Here's something else I've seen and heard multiple places. Our players have said this. I've seen this on Twitter, and I don't understand it at all. Help me out with this. I'm seeing and hearing a lot of, it was one bad night. I think even Ian Book said it was a bad night, or I've seen other fans saying that we just had a bad night or whatever. Are you on drugs If you think this, are you on drugs? I want to know. If you are, send me what you got because I can use it right now. Are you that out of touch with reality slash and or are emotionally immature enough that you can't handle the facts and the truth that you have to buy in and make up this one bad night narrative? Grow up. Grow up. You think it's just... A random coincidence that Notre Dame's one bad night happens to always be the one night of the biggest game of the year. You got, There's people out there that love Notre Dame that actually think it's just random bad luck that, that we just happen to play terrible and embarrass ourselves. And it just happens to be bad luck on the night of our biggest game against Clemson, against Michigan, against Clemson before, against Miami. Give me a break against Ohio State in 15. No, you people just can't handle the truth. Bad luck, seriously, one bad night, just not our night. You're out of your minds. If you believe that, think that, say that, tweet that, it's for one reason. You're, you're just not capable of, of looking at the facts and, and owning the truth that we struggle in these big games, can't figure out how to get over the hump. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. What about November 7th? What about November 7th? Well, I'm going to get there in a second, and you guys aren't going to like it, but I'm going to get there, okay? So the one bad night narrative is hilariously offensive to me uh, that all these smart Notre Dame people are ignoring that our one bad night happens to always be on the biggest game of the year. You think that's random? Really, you think that's just random? and has nothing to do with the situation, and we have this trend of one per year that I just laid out for you, you're out of your mind. You're just refusing to see something because it hurts you, so you're refusing to see it. That's all it is. It's a big game problem. It's a big game problem, okay? So I'm not buying the, the one bad night thing. There's, there's too many factors there that are unavoidable if you actually are looking with your eyes open to actually believe that. So that drives me crazy to see your one bad night can't be the biggest game of the year every single time and then say it's a random bad night. Not how football works, okay? That's a you problem. That's a you pro- problem. So... Clemson was on a total mission to prove November 7th was an injury, COVID-riddled anomaly, and they did exactly that in every single way possible. Lawrence, after the game, said, quote, the game went exactly how we planned it out. It just went exactly to plan. Welcome to the big leagues, Notre Dame. Out-coached, out-schemed, out-prepared, out-efforted, one 100% out adjusted 100%. There is no gray area here. It's 100%. 100. Perfect. All Clemson's way. Same old big game story. 
the years change, the results don't. So here's what this is. Hater fuel. You allowed it, and now there's nothing you could say to anybody hating on you on Twitter and Facebook and and at Christmas, your buddy that hates your cousin that hates Notre Dame. There's nothing you could do. This is all those people needed to, to rip Notre Dame for all the same old stuff, and we served it right up to them and didn't even fight back. So we get what we have coming to us. I'll tell you one thing, though. Unlike these Miami front runners and everything else, I'm not going anywhere. This show's not going anywhere. Okay, so I own the pain. Just like I own the joy of November 7th, I'm here and I'm owning the pain of what happened last Saturday. Okay, you owe it to yourself if you're a true fan. If you embrace the joy of beating Clemson November 7th, you, you got to embrace the pain when the team you love sucks and plays like this. You got to own both to be a real fan. And I'm owning that pain and talking it out and working it out here is one way that I try and cope, okay? And I'm glad you're coming along with me, or at least you're still with me so far, okay? So one big question that I had leading into this game was, and I kept repeating this in the pregame stuff, was beating Clemson November 7th, the top of the mountain, or just a step on the climb this year? The answer we got was the worst possible answer we could get. It makes the November 7th result look like a total fluke. Total fluke. Okay? So here's how I see this. And this has been a big discussion on Twitter. How much credibility does Notre Dame still have from the November 7th matchup and win against Clemson? Here was my thought. After that game, Notre Dame won. I could hold on to the fact that they were number one. We beat them. We're undefeated. Nobody could factually argue against that because that was all true and factual, black and white right in front of you. What were the detractors saying after that game? Clemson people, Notre Dame haters, whatever. What were they saying? The only reason that game happened in Notre Dame won is because Lawrence was out and those defensive guys were not playing. That was the argument against Notre Dame for them not getting credit on November 7th. So the way I thought about this is, in order to show that this wasn't just a Lawrence wasn't there, all their defensive guys wasn't there fluke. Notre Dame didn't even have to beat Clemson last week, but they had to play them competitive. They had to play them competitive. And then I think even if they lost, some of November 7th held value. I don't know how much value there is left in November 7th, you guys. What, what leg do you have to stand on as a Notre Dame guy defending this now? I'm asking you honestly. The rip on it was, let's see what happens when Lawrence and their defensive players are back. We got that chance, failed 100% miserably. So I don't feel comfortable leaning on that November 7th crutch anymore. We had to play them tough to show that that first one wasn't just a injury COVID fluke. We did not. Okay. So I'm really, really thankful. We at least had a certain amount of weeks from November 7th to last Saturday where we could legitimately hold our head high, talk some crap on Twitter and feel like winners, okay? Now, I kind of felt like this. Every time something bad happened in the second game or Clemson scored again and went ahead or there was a defensive play that embarrassed us, every time something bad happened to us, I felt the credibility from November 7th go down. Go down, go down, go down, go down. Every time the score widened further apart, and we fell apart more, I felt that any credibility from November 7th, just less, less, less. They scored again, less. They embarrassed us again, less. We don't have a secondary. They torch us, less. Uh, we can't even get a first down, less. Every single time something bad happened, I felt like the credibility bar went down from November 7th. So 
If you want to hold on to it, fine. But to me, not all, but most of the credibility from that game is gone. It's eroded. You had to prove you could compete with them with their best players for that first result to matter, to be justified. You didn't. You didn't. So at least I had a handful of weeks to hold my head. I feel like maybe we were something. Okay? But that's how I feel about it. I mean, the argument against it going in was, yeah, the only reason it happened was because those guys were out. We had a chance to disprove that, and we didn't. We played right into that narrative, totally allowed it, and now I have nothing to lean on. And I won't because I don't want to look like a fool. We had our chance to prove it was legit and didn't and failed, period, end of story. It's not the loss. It's how it happened. That's the problem here. And I can't be clear enough about that. I'm not coming into this discussion with the same energy if we played competitive and lost by one score. That's not what happened. Not all losses are created equal. If it was a respectable, competitive game and we lost, this discussion would be totally different. But that's not what we got. This was very simply a carbon copy repeat of all the other biggest game Brian Kelly losses. A carbon copy that is beyond heart-wrenching and depressing to realize, confront, and admit, okay? We are not having this same conversation if this loss was competitive. It's about how it looked and felt, not the loss itself. And it felt just like all the others. And this team has way more talent than a lot of those other teams that got boat raced in years past. Same result. Even with better talent, same exact result. You could have just taken the tape from Clemson 2018, popped it in. You didn't even need to watch Saturday night. It was the same exact script. Same exact script. Notre Dame has some chances, doesn't take advantage. Then Lawrence starts blowing us up, and then it's over. Same exact script, okay? So what this makes you question is, it makes you question just how strong and thick that glass ceiling is that we're trying to break through to get from very good to elite. Listen, you guys, Notre Dame's not a bad program. It's not a garbage program. It's not even a mediocre program. It's a very, very good program. It's just not close to elite. It's a very, very good program where it's at right now. It's just not elite. And that's what we're running into now is elite teams. It requires an elite game plan, elite adjustments, elite execution, and elite players. We don't have that recipe right now. We just don't. Okay. So, see, here's, here's where this all comes full circle. And, and where Notre Dame's in a very, very tough spot. Here's, here's the dynamic. And this is really hard to be in and to emerge out of. But here's where we're at. Notre Dame's on the top of the very, very good. And as a result of that, they're playing teams that are elite. And we're just not elite. So that's how you end up with the full strength Clemson doing what they did to us. And then whatever's going to happen against Alabama in a couple weeks. Okay. So, but here's, here's where this is really good and really bad, right? The way that other fan bases and, and just people in general hate Notre Dame. What this turns into is all those other fans of other teams who aren't as good as Notre Dame, therefore they didn't get the chance to play Clemson or to be in the playoff. They're sitting at home on their couches mocking Notre Dame getting absolutely pantsed by Clemson last Saturday. And they're all laughing at us. See, Notre Dame, you suck, you suck, you suck. But the funny part is, these are all fans of teams who aren't even good enough to be in the game to have a chance to lose to Clemson or Alabama. 
That's the very, very frustrating part of this. Those people mocking Notre Dame are all from teams sitting at home. They're not even good enough to be in the position Notre Dame's in to get beat by the elite teams. So that's the perceptual problem with where Notre Dame's at right now. They're about a top five, six, seven program in the country. The problem is they're not a one, two, or three, and that's who we're playing in these big games. Okay? So that's the really frustrating part. Notre Dame's in a very strong position now. They're just not elite. They're just not elite. And so you get matched up with elite, and, and, and it's a showcase that makes you look really, really bad. But you're only bad compared to the top two or three teams in the country. Against everybody else, Notre Dame's about the cream of the crop. But that's what this is all about, how to get us into that next level. But right now, we're not there. We're one notch below, and it's showing what a gap it is. And that's the gap we were hoping to see inched closed this year. We thought November 7th was showing us that. This latest result undoes most of that. It just has to. If you're fair, it has to. Once they got their guys back, look what happened. It's really hard to go back to November 7th and say that wasn't a factor. Because look what happened when they had their guys. We needed to show up to back up that November 7th result. We just didn't. We just couldn't. We just didn't. Top to bottom. Players, coaches, everybody. Okay? So, so that's the really frustrating part. All these other fans of other teams are mocking Notre Dame and ridiculing us while their team's sitting at home and not even good enough to be in these games. That's the tough part perceptually about where you are. You look like trash, but you only look like trash against two or three teams in the country. So it's a really tough, tough spot to be in, okay? So that leads me to my next path. So the next question is, everybody knows by now we're in the playoff. The next question is, should we be in the playoff after what we just did against Clemson? I think the answer is still yes, based on the body of work. We played more games than almost every team in the country this year with the COVID and everything. And I just don't understand how a team like Texas A&M, whose biggest win is less than what our biggest win was at the time, who already has a really bad loss to Alabama and wasn't in the, the SEC title game. I don't see how it makes sense. They could jump us. So, Yes, I think Notre Dame should be in, um, but it's just the the result Saturday just doesn't help your argument. So we still made it with the body of work and the win over Clemson. Whatever leg length we pulled out of that was enough to get us in. But here's here's the thing. Making the playoff should be a 100% great and exciting and encouraging thing Only Notre Dame could make it, so that's not the case, and that sucks. You got people scared to death. We're going to get beat by 50, 60 points in this Alabama game, and I don't think people are exaggerating. People are seriously worried about it, okay? So, like, only Notre Dame could put people in a position where making the playoffs some people think is bad, Seriously, only Notre Dame could do this to their fans. It's the most Notre Dame thing ever. It's so frustrating, okay? Now, regarding the notion whether it's better for ND to miss the playoff and win a winnable New Year's Six game rather than maybe face Alabama and get embarrassed, that's loser talk. If you want that after 10, 11 years of Brian Kelly, however long it's been, you're a loser. 100%, you are a soft, weak-minded loser. And you're probably a loser in your real life, too. I I mean, you probably collect participation ribbons and hang them up in trophy cases just for showing up to stuff. What kind of loser wants to play less competition? Like, that's ridiculous to me. 
You don't get to the level we want to get to without taking your lumps and learning what it's like to be in these games and to look across the field at Clemson when the game's winding down and say, wow, so that's what it takes to get on the top of this hill. Look look at what they got going on. Look at what they did to us. That's what it takes. Okay, so... There's no way we can ever get from get very good to elite by playing teams we're better than. That makes no sense. What sort of loser are you? What sort of loser are you if you want us to play teams we're better than just to get a bowl win? That doesn't do anything. You should want to play the best teams possible. You should want to punch up in weight class. Okay? Now, at the same time, doing so is full of a lot of perceptual risk, okay? So you should always want to punch up in weight class and, and play those teams. Um, but this is where it gets tricky, and those divergent paths I always talk about come into play. If you had beat Clemson, you set up a more favorable, winnable first-round game. We didn't, and it looked really bad, and now it turns into your worst nightmare playing the best team in America with the most talent, okay? So this is the problem with being really good but not elite. You got to play these teams, and sometimes it looks bad. How do you ever get over the hump before your bites at that apple are just gone, and they're just not going to put you in these games anymore if you keep embarrassing yourself? You're running out of chances. You're running out of chances, okay? So that's the problem with being really, really good and not elite. But there's only one way to get over that hump, and it's to play through it and fight through it, okay? So we'll get to the full Alabama thing later. I can't do it all in this show. I I just, I can't risk stroking out, okay? So let me handle one nightmare at a time. The Clemson game this week, and then what's going to happen against Alabama next time? Probably going to happen against Alabama. There's always a chance. There's always a chance. There's also a chance I'm going to win the lottery and a chance I'm going to be on the PGA Tour soon. I digress. So here's... (laughs) Every next bullet point makes me just sad, okay? I want to go over, before we actually get into the actual X's and O's of the game, I want to go over five things that I think, that I just wrote down over the weekend. Five, just random five things. Then we're going to get into the actual game stuff. If you think it's bad now, wait till I get into that, by the way. Here's number one. The fire Brian Kelly people after this game, you're out of your minds. It doesn't solve anything. It's not realistic. It's not going to happen. Um, so just give it up. It's annoying because it doesn't solve any problems because it's so unrealistic. Okay. Number two, every time Notre Dame loses, the, no- the Notre Dame fan base just rips itself apart. Who's not being mad enough? Who's being too mad? Blah, 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 blah. Everybody wants to tell everybody else how they should feel. Here's the thing. People that are mad at you for being mad at Notre Dame, no. Don't let that happen. Nobody is a bandwagon Notre Dame fan. We have not won anything since I was four years old. If you are bandwagon jumping on a team that hasn't won a title since the 80s, you are a bad, bad bandwagon jumper. You jumped on the wrong wagon, okay? There are no bandwagon Notre Dame fans. We haven't won anything since I was four years old, okay? So that's stupid. Anybody mad and furious and lashing out about Notre Dame's performance, you want to know why? They're doing it because they love Notre Dame, and it hurts them and embarrasses them personally when they perform bad and we get made fun of across the entire country. That's why people lash out. They're embarrassed and it hurts them personally when Notre Dame 
embarrasses themselves and by proxy all of us. That's just the way it is. Don't tell other people how to grieve, okay? I gave up on telling people to have standards because so many people don't. It's an uphill battle. I'm done fighting. So I'm just going to do it my way and let those people be happy with 9, 10 wins every year. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm never going to change those people's minds. They don't have a competitive bone in their body, okay? Don't care about being champions. They're just okay being okay or better than okay but not great, okay? So anybody mad and lashing out at Notre Dame is doing so because they love the program and it hurts them personally when we're all embarrassed, okay? Number three, you got to stop changing the goalposts. When we were winning and after the we beat Clemson the first time, it was title this, title that, title this. Now the blowout happens to Clemson. People are collecting their participation trophies and hanging them up. I don't like that. If you had a championship standard after November 7th, how now are you just happy to have a, a, a participation ribbon? At least we were there. You can't move the goalposts. That doesn't help anybody. If it's a championship standard, keep the standard there. But this moving the bar of what's acceptable to suit our fan emotions is loser behavior. I don't like it. Don't like it at all. Number four, I'm not just saying that because he's a close friend and my YouTube business partner. Pigskin Pete was right about everything he said about this game. All of it, 100% about the defense, about Lawrence, about how prepared they were going to be. Do you know how ballsy it is for Pigskin Pete to tell me John, I honestly like the position Clemson's in with their back against the wall where if they lose one more time, they're out of the playoff. He actually had the balls to say, I like that we're in that position. Guess what? He was totally right. He was 100% accurate. And you know what? Good for Pigskin Pete. He knows his program. He knows his coach. He knows his players. He knew how they were gearing up for this dynamic. So pigskin, he was right on every single thing he said, okay? Here's number five, guys, and this may be the most important one. It's not all over. We could change the narrative a little bit. It's a tough task made way harder by what we did Saturday, but there's still an opportunity. I hate the odds. It's the worst possible matchup, but here you are. Usually, we get in one of these games, lose it, and then you have to sit on a blowout loss till September. We're not in that position. There's still a chance to gain back some credibility with what we do against Alabama. Now, there is also a risk of pushing ourselves further into the ground and into a grave than we ever could have imagined, turning a really exciting high-level season peaking at November 7th, not even, I'd say peaking after North Carolina, turning that energy into two big-time blowouts where you're not competitive, that is a brutal, brutal blow and one I don't, I hope we don't have to deal with. But I do want to mention, there's a chance we play tough against Alabama. What do I think the odds of that are? Not very high. Would I put a dollar on it? Absolutely not. But there's still a chance, and we'll talk about it. And I think that's important. And it's important to see how our guys respond to this Clemson game in the Alabama game, okay? So there's a lot there that can still shift perception this year. You could lose to Alabama and play them really tight and gain credibility even in a loss doing that. Because right now, everybody's laughing at you and thinks they're going to lose by 50. You know who else isn't taking you serious? Nick Saban. He's telling his guys, go home for Christmas. I ain't worried about the virus. I'm not worried about you eating 80 pounds of your mom's food. Go home. Go home for Christmas. Come back. Kill Notre Dame. Nick Saban doesn't even seem like he's taking you that serious. Okay? So, there's still an opportunity here. But the opportunity has upside and downside. So we got to see how tough this program is, what kind of resolve they have.
Okay, let's get into, that was some big picture and nuanced stuff. Now let's talk about this actual game and how it played out. As we already covered, it's crystal clear in terms of handling the rematch and adjusting. Clemson won that coaching battle 100%. They disgraced Brian Kelly, Tommy Reese, and Vanderbilt's coach completely. 100% disgraced them. Okay, there is not one thing Notre Dame did that worked or adjusted off the adjustments Clemson made. Not one. Not one. So on the coaching front, 100% Clemson wins that hand, hands down. There is not one adjustment we made that worked. Not one. The only adjustments we made were getting worse. So I guess those count as adjustments. Um, so total fail F minus. The entire coaching staff just got a lesson in big boy elite football. And the key dynamic there is the rematch part of this. This game involved coaching talent way more than most games do because of the nature that it was a rematch. And you got to adjust. We talked about it. You got to adjust and then adjust off the adjustments. Notre Dame had nothing. Notre Dame had nothing, okay? So let's go over some of my big keys to the game real quick. This ought to be fun. Stop ETN, fail. Stop Lawrence running, fail. Win, win third downs and key leverage plays, fail. Score touchdowns in the, in the red zone, fail. Don't give up chunk plays, fail. Wide receivers stepping up, Ian Book playing great, fail. Run the ball well, fail. Win turnover battle. Yes, we actually won the turnover battle. One to nothing, but you know what? I count that as a freaking fail too because you didn't score a goddamn point off it. So even though you won the turnover battle, you got zero out of it. So that's a fail too. Make your kicks. Fail. Adjust off adjustments. Fail. Okay? Now, I will give Notre Dame credit for having a decent start. That's about the only thing they did that I can actually look at favorably. They had a somewhat decent start. A decent drive, got three, then you got the turnover, missed the field goal, gave up a bomb. You turned what should have been a 14-0 lead into being down 7-3. to so even after semi-accomplishing the goal of a fast start, we failed. So every single key to the game, Notre Dame failed at. Every one. Even the turnover number, one to nothing, I counted as a fail because he got zero points off it and then let them score right after you got zero points off it. It's just, it's a fail fast. It's a freaking fail factory. There is not one thing on this list that we did decent. Not even decent, but just not embarrassing. Nothing across the board. Nothing. Okay, so let's, I don't even really want to do this, but let's start with the offense. Start with the offensive line. It's clear to me we need our regular offensive line starters to be able to compete against a good team. Okay, the line looked out of sync. They look confused by movement. They looked, uh, it just, there was never any rhythm established, nothing. It looked out of sync, confused all night. They, they weren't seeing all the, the motion and the movement that Clemson was just confused, out of sync, soft, bad. They did. They just couldn't do anything. Okay. Um, 30 rushes for 44 yards. What do I always complain about? I always complain about the 50 yards rushing we had again <laughs> in all of our big games against Georgia, Clemson, and Michigan. We had like 50 yards rushing. Well, here we had 44 yards, so it was even worse than those. The years go by and the bad continues. Story of my life. So that number's absolutely offensive. I never dreamed it could be that bad. Oh, John, that's not the real number. Book had minus 35 yards rushing due to sacks. Is that supposed to make me feel better? 
that Book's rushing total was minus 35 because of sacks. Yeah, that makes me feel a lot better about it. Disgusting, sickening, abhorrent, disgraceful, okay? No running room, no nothing, no adjustments whatsoever if things didn't work. Just a total miserable failure. 263 yards total. Total running and passing fail. Embarrassment. 1.5 average per carry on the ground fail. Total embarrassment. Um, Tyree had one carry and one catch and one touchdown when he did get a, a touch. I don't understand that. That is that is personnel malpractice. That your fastest guy gets that few touches in the game plan. Total failure, and I don't understand at all. How can your fastest guy not be a bigger part of the game plan in a game like this? It's an F-minus total failure by Reese and everybody involved with the offensive plan. Okay, Kyron, 15 for 50 yards, just not good enough. They were determined to not let him beat them again like he did the first time. We had no adjustments. What did John say is the key to the game? Adjusting off their adjustments. Well, we didn't. Total failure, okay? So, the offensive line playing bad led to Ian Book being old Ian Book. He looked uncomfortable all night running backwards, scrambling for his life, scared to pull the trigger into tight windows. It's a movie I've seen a dozen times, and I give the movie two thumbs down. I'm sick of that movie. I've seen it a dozen times. Two thumbs down. Sick of this movie. So, he was uncomfortable, rushed, harassed, running around, scared to throw it when there was a window. Guys weren't getting open enough. Whatever it was, it was bad. Here's what I don't get. When you initially realize your plan's not working, there was no adjustment at all for Ian Book to get more planned runs when that's something he did great against Clemson the first time. There was really no RPO allowing Ian Book to run as an extra dynamic. We didn't bother trying any of that. Clemson was bringing guys, bringing guys, blitzing, stopping the run, crashing guys down. Where was the misdirection to offset that? Where were the screens to offset that? Where were the drag route, quick drag routes over the middle with the tight ends more to stop that? Where? Where were the adjustments? A regular amateur dummy like me could look at this stuff and say, you need to try this to kind of break this up. Nothing, 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 no adjustments. And I don't understand it. Okay. Here's the other thing I don't get. Finally, some of our receivers recently have been stepping up downfield for big gains. Go up and get it. Go get a penalty. Come down with the ball. Javon McKinley. Did we throw any passes down the field to even give our guys a chance to flip the field? I don't remember any deep shots ever, ever. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. You don't beat a team like Clemson when they are full strength for all you holding on to November 7th. You don't beat a team like Clemson at their full strength being conservative and playing scared. The offensive game plan was scared, and they never adjusted. And the longer the game went on, the smaller the box was that we were playing in. No attempts to do misdirection, screens, movement, throw it downfield, nothing. Nothing. I don't understand what the plan was and when it didn't work where the adjustments were off it. There were none. There were none. Personnel-wise, I just don't understand. Like, why is Clemson's freshman receiver, Williams, balling out against us, and our young guy, Jordan Johnson, ranked ahead of him on 247, can't sniff one play? 
he can't sniff catching one ball. But the guy Clemson has that's rated lower than him is balling out, making great plays against us. This kind of personnel stuff frustrates me. Is Lindsey still hurt? Wilkins can't get a ball. JJ can't get a ball. When nothing's working, try something else. Try something else. They refuse to. They just wouldn't. They just wouldn't. Here's something that makes me literally want to throw up. Every one of our third downs was third down and four or more. We did not have one third and short all game. That tells me not only your execution is trash, but the scheme and what you're trying to do isn't working if you're in third and long every single series. Time to do something different. They refuse to. I, I don't understand. Failure to have a plan. Failure to execute the plan. Failure to adjust when the plan didn't work. It's just a total failure. There are no positives. I know people say I'm a, ne- a half glass empty negative guy. There are no positives. Give me one positive thing out of this game. Seriously, give me one. One point eight yards per play. We averaged on offense in the third quarter. So you want to talk about adjustments out at halftime? We averaged one point eight yards per play the entire third quarter. There's your adjustments. Okay. There's your adjustments. Three for twelve on third down, miserable failure. Oh for one on fourth down, and it was a big one, miserable failure. Those are big leverage plays, change the trajectory of the game. Failure. You suck. Okay. No answers, no solutions, no adjustments. Nobody stepping up a total and complete cluster offensively. Welcome to the big leagues, Tommy Reese. Venables owns you. Venables owns you. He destroyed you. You had no answer for it. Not only did you not have an answer for it, you didn't even attempt to find one. And that's way more insulting than trying something else and not having it work. Okay. I did not understand the plan. And once whatever the plan was didn't work, I didn't understand not even bothering to try and adjust off the plan. It's just simple things. Give Chris Tyree a couple screen passes and see what happens. No? Fine. Pass it deep and hope you get a call or McKinley catches it. Nope, you're too scared to even throw it downfield. I just, I don't understand. I just don't understand. The red zone efficiency is atrocious. Um, This game, I don't think it would have changed the outcome looking at how much they dominated us, but I'd be pretty interested to see if we got up 14-0 how it played out. It changes the dynamic at least for a while, but our red zone inefficiencies wouldn't allow it. The, The play calling and execution in the red zone's trash. So... Good luck against Alabama. If you even get in the 20s and you're kicking for three, good luck. Okay, good luck. Um, Just bad all around. You gave up six sacks, 10 tackles for loss. This, this is just the classic big game Brian Kelly disgrace. That's what it is. Somebody tell me it's anything other than that. That's exactly what it was. So offensively, atrocious. It was beyond my worst nightmares, beyond my worst fears. Top to bottom failure, 100%. Okay. Switching over to defense, at least I'll say this. Clemson only had one more point in this game than they had in regulation. The last time we played them, they score a lot of points. They're a great team. So the defense was unacceptably bad. But at least to some extent, they were able to tighten things up later in the game. The problem, they got a couple three and outs right out of the half. The problem is the offense was such a disgrace. It didn't matter what they did. The defense gets a couple three and outs out of, right out of halftime. And the offense, they get 1.8 yards per play the third quarter. So 
Yeah, the defense has problems and we're going to get into it. But at least they somewhat started to tighten things up after a while. The offense, the offense weighed them down. And it didn't matter at that point. The offense couldn't do anything. Nothing. Zero. Okay? So, but overall for the defense, it's still a failing grade. It's just they made it less of a low failing grade by tightening up a little bit. But you gave up over eight yards rushing per play, 219 total, 124 to ETN. Yeah, that's a fail. That's an absolute fail. Number one priority, I said, was stopping ETN in the run game. Total failure to do it, okay? It was like a total flip of the running game numbers from them to us, game one to game two. Again, great staffs know how to adjust, okay? They do. Um, here's the... the Here's probably the thing on offense that makes a defense that makes me the most enraged. How many times did I say repeatedly I'm having nightmares envisioning Lawrence faking these handoffs, pulling it and running out and nobody's there. I said it. Over and over and over again. I said it on my show. I told Pigskin Pete I was worried about it. And I said, I'm going to lose my mind if we lose outside contain and nobody's watching Lawrence. Sure enough, you give up 90 rushing yards to him. Let him roll out and do whatever he wants. Nobody was there ever. I, I don't understand it. I am an average nobody idiot yelling into a camera right now, and I knew this was going to be a key to the game. So you're telling me either Notre Dame didn't know it or just couldn't find a way to negate it or slow it down at all? I'm offended by that. It was so obviously a big key to the game, and we just looked like we were surprised it happened. When an amateur idiot in his basement like me was sitting here saying, watch out for this, watch out for this, watch. And they let it happen over and over and over again. And I don't have any patience for it. None. Fail. Okay. The big chunk plays that burned us. Listen, here's the deal. I know we love Hamilton. Hamilton's great. The secondary's not good enough, straight up. Like, Hamilton, yes. Um, I'll, I'll actually give credit to Clarence Lewis as a freshman trying to hang out there. I know we joke about Crawford being old. Well, now he, not only is it a joke, but he moves old, okay? So the secondary, is it's not a big-time secondary. It's not good enough. It's not near good enough. And that's not good with the team we have coming up next, okay? I'm glad this, have you noticed the staff's focusing on defensive secondary recruiting a lot. It's because they know they're not good there. So they're not good enough on the back end. Okay? They're just not. Brutal. Gave up passes of 67, 33, 26, 33. Runs of 44 and 33 in big spots. A third and short, a fourth and short. You're giving up 44, 33 yards on the ground. Just fail. It's just a fail factory. 100% fail. Nothing good to say about it. Two quarterback hurries on Lawrence, fail. Sloppy tackling, didn't wrap up. Bad angles, fail, fail, fail. All of it, okay? Um, if you want to ask what effect Clark Lee and all the transition to Vanderbilt while preparing for this game, how much it had to do with it, what the defense looked like, I don't know how much or if it did or to what extent, but I just know that when you play like this, you open that up for discussion. And then everybody wakes up the next morning. First thing on Twitter is Clark Lee in his suit at Vanderbilt at the podium. So I'm not saying it had an effect or I could measure how much. But when you're this bad with stuff you've been good at defensively, it's fair to ask. So I don't, it is what it is. This is the nature of the business. It's just a bad look to go out on. Okay, because we were bad at stuff we're usually pretty good at. Okay, that's alarming to me. Special teams, guess what? Critical point in the game. 
shanked uh, basically an extra point length kick. I warned everybody. I told everybody. I said, this worries the hell out of me. He makes the long one, and then the one that's an extra point, he shanks it. Okay? So here's the other thing. It's one thing for Dorr to shank that 20-yard field goal or whatever. Let me ask this, though. What sort of weak losers is the Notre Dame decision-making staff that you think you could get down to the six-yard line and take three points and beat Lawrence? Is that how arrogant Brian Kelly and Notre Dame are? That you thought you were going to beat Lawrence getting three points when you're on the six-yard line? Grow a pair, try and score seven, and if you don't, trust that your defense can stop them from the six-yard line going all the way the other way. It is soft and weak and stupid to think you're going to beat a Lawrence-led Clemson team settling for three points on the six-yard line. In the first game, I understood it because they didn't have Lawrence and things were different. In this game, to think you could get down there and only need three, soft and weak. Grow a pair, try and get seven points. Then again, maybe they didn't want to because they know their red zone efficiency sucks. Anyways, that was a key part of the game, too. You should have been up 14-0 or 10-0. You end up down 7-3, and it was off to the races from there. So Notre Dame at least had a chance to string this game out and see what would happen with a little lead. We didn't do it. Great teams do that and take advantage. We couldn't. And then we had no answer once we were behind, okay? No answer. So where does this leave us? Besides sad, it leaves me sad, but where does this leave us? This is where the divergent paths come in. To me, you lost most, if not all of your November 7th credibility. You lost your chance to troll the ACC in conferences. That's over. Okay. You lost a, having a more favorable first round matchup in the playoff. Now you have Alabama. Yeah, there's a chance. It ain't a great one. Anybody picking Notre Dame to win this game is picking with their heart, not their eyes and their mind. Picking Notre Dame and you ask why, because you want them to, that's not a really good reason to pick Notre Dame, okay? Coaching disparity, talent disparity, period, okay? So here is a couple things, and we'll, we'll do a full Alabama preview. Uh, and in fact, I might jump on with some Alabama shows um, they reached out to me and wanted to talk as well. So that could be interesting. I've never worked with the Alabama people before. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. But the fact that Mac Jones is not mobile the way Lawrence is helps. But I also just don't see Notre Dame getting a lot of pressure on Mac Jones. And their receivers are so much better than our secondary. I could just see Jones back there as all day, all day finds one of these freaks and it's off to the races, just all clowning our guys all over in the secondary. That's how I see it going practically. I hope it's different, but if that played out, it wouldn't surprise me at all, okay? But, but if by some miracle we compete and play Alabama tough, you can gain back some credibility that we just lost, okay? So, it's good and bad the season isn't over now. It's good because you have a big chance at big game redemption. And it's bad because you very easily could lose to Alabama by more than you did to Clemson. And all the bad publicity. I'm so mad I can't even speak straight. All the bad publicity and everything else will be five times what it is if you pile two of these blowouts together back to back. Okay, so it is what it is. The one thing I would say about the Alabama game from Notre Dame's perspective, you have no chance of even keeping this game close if you're going to be conservative and play scared. You need to be aggressive and take chances. Trick plays, be aggressive, throw it downfield. You got to do everything to just be in this game because that's how talented they are compared to you. And that's how much better their coaches are than yours. 
So you're going to have to take chances. Notre Dame has no chance, not even to win, but to even keep this game competitive unless we play aggressive from the start. Do I trust this staff to go that route? No. They'll probably cower, play conservative, and get blown out. Like, you got to adjust. You have to be aggressive against Alabama to even have a chance. I hope they do. So, getting blasted twice nationally with all the chips down and everybody watching is the last thing this program needs. So, figure something out. But as for right now, I'm going to return the old movies that we see of all the old games that are the same tape, different year. I'm going to return them and hope for a new release next week. We'll talk more Bama next time. Peace out.